All right, everyone, let's take out a Bible together and turn with me, if you will, in your copy to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 12 this morning. As we come to this text, I want to ask you a question. Hypothetically, what if tomorrow it was discovered beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus did not, in fact, rise from the dead? What would that mean for you? What would you do? What would you think? What difference would it make in your life? Would it make a difference in your life? Would you think, I'm going to keep living by biblical principles anyway? Or would you think, oh well, I've lived a good life so far, no harm done. What would you do if it was discovered that Jesus did not, in fact, rise from the dead? In our trek through 1 Corinthians... We come this week to the beginning of a section of Scripture where Paul does an extended teaching and meditation on the resurrection. And so we're going to be spending a few weeks in a row on the resurrection. If you look forward in chapter 15, one of the things that uh, I think is helpful to know as a Christian and a student of God's Word is anytime you think resurrection, immediately think 1 Corinthians 15. Resurrection 1 Corinthians 15. They always go together. But Paul has a unique take on the subject in our text today, starting in verse 12. So look with me, if you will. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12. God's words through the Apostle Paul say, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God, because we testified about God that He raised Christ, whom He did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, And you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Now in Paul's day, there were groups of people claiming that there will be no resurrection of the dead. God will not resurrect our bodies In the end, there is no such thing as a resurrection from the dead. Particularly in Paul's day, as he writes this letter, there were Greeks who believed, like we do, that the soul was immortal, that the soul continued on after death. You might say you could deduce that when you look at a dead body. Now, if you think about the soul and how we feel about ourselves, and then you look at a dead body, well, then you could perhaps deduce that at a funeral, so to speak. But to those Greeks, it was ridiculous that the body could resurrect from the dead. It's impossible. And you can see how people would think this when you put that thing in the ground. Well, it's final. There's no coming back. But there was even a Jewish religious sect called the Sadducees. These are kind of a rival group to the Pharisees. The Sadducees also believed that there will be no resurrection 
from the dead. Even as they sought to worship God, they veered off the biblical path in that way. They believed there was no resurrection from the dead. God will not resurrect bodies, and so Christ has not been raised either. And Paul says to all of that, in this and other places in our Bibles, no, on the last day, God will raise our bodies from the grave. When Christ returns, when it's Jesus' time to come back, our bodies will be raised from the dead, we read in multiple places in our New Testaments. And we will spend eternity not as disembodied souls, but as people with a physical body. Be physical. You can touch it. You can see it. Perhaps you can even smell it. In fact, the body that you will have for all eternity is the same body that you have right now. It is this body, your body, that you have right now that will endure into all eternity, only it will be transformed. It will be perfected. It will never decay. It will never grow old. It will never wear out. It will never be injured. And if you are in Christ... And God transforms your body and you are given entrance into the kingdom of heaven. It will never have a desire again to sin. This is one of the reasons, this belief in the resurrection of all of our bodies, this is one of the reasons Christians have historically opted for burial in a casket rather than cremation. Now, don't worry. Cremation isn't a sin. And so if your loved ones have had themselves cremated after passing, that's not a a sin per se. And don't worry elsewhere, Jesus can resurrect and piece back together a cremated body just as much as one that's been decaying under the earth for 1,500 years, right? The resurrection is a miracle through and through. So it's not going to matter if you were just buried yesterday, if you've been buried for 1,500 years, or if you were cremated and scattered, Jesus can do that with just a thought and just a word. So don't worry about that, but... Christians historically have chosen burial in a casket as a symbol, as a message to the watching world that we're going to treat these bodies with respect because we believe that when Christ comes back, our bodies will be raised from the dead. One day, God will resurrect all bodies from the dead. Some will be resurrected to newness of life and eternal life in heaven, eternal paradise. Some resurrected to eternal torment. But here in our passage today, Paul gives us seven devastating implications if Christ has not been raised. If it is true that there is no resurrection of the dead, if it is true that Christ has not been raised, then here are seven devastating implications according to Paul. Number one is this. If there's no resurrection from the dead, then Jesus is still dead. Jesus is still dead today. Look at verse 13. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. He's not alive. He's not at the right hand of the throne of God. He's not interceding for us. We are not awaiting His return if there is no resurrection. Think about this. What do Mohammed, Confucius, Alexander the Great, Joseph Smith... Mary Baker Eddy, Aristotle, and L. Ron Hubbard all have in common, other than that they were influential leaders of big movements in religion and philosophy. What do they all have in common? Well, they're all dead. They're all dead. And what that means is, every religion, every movement that has ever followed a specific individual 
is a following of a dead person, of a person who's not alive anymore. Well, if Jesus is not raised, then ours is too. If Jesus is not alive today, we're just following another dead guy, just like every other religion or movement. If Jesus is not raised, he was just another man. There's nothing that sets him apart from all the others. And so if Jesus was not raised, follow him, don't follow him, it doesn't really matter. Live by his teachings, don't live by his teachings, it doesn't really matter. If he died, though, and actually came back to life, if he did raise from the dead, well, then you have to reckon with everything he said. Think about it. If someone comes back from the dead, you can't just discard that. You can't just not pay attention to that. It compels our attention. It commands our attention. Every leader of every movement in history, you can find a reason to just discard them and not believe in what they say. You can find a reason for every, every religious leader in history. But if someone came back from the dead, if someone legitimately came back from the dead, you can't ignore that. You can't sweep that away. The only thing you can do is pretend like it didn't happen and hope your mind turns off to it. But if he came back from the dead, we've got to reckon with everything this man said. He has a power that no one else has. It sets him apart from everyone else. But if there was no resurrection from the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. Jesus is still dead. Implication number two, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, brothers and sisters. Look at verse 14. If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. Our preaching is useless. If Jesus is not raised, I might as well just give up and go home now. What am I doing up here? What is the point if Christ has not been raised? There's no good news without the resurrection. You know that, right? There's no good news without the resurrection. In fact, without the resurrection, it's all bad news. Everything's just bad news without the resurrection. Without the resurrection, Jesus didn't defeat sin and death. He didn't defeat it if there's no resurrection. Without the resurrection, we still need to be afraid of death if there's no resurrection. And notice how Paul didn't say his preaching was in vain. He said our preaching is in vain. So it's not just preachers who get up here and, and preach on Sunday that would be doing something useless. It'd be all of us. You might as well stop sharing the gospel. You might as well stop proclaiming the good news if Jesus is not raised from the dead. Because there's no point in all the risks of sharing the gospel if Jesus is not raised. If Jesus is not alive today, there's no point. Why would you risk being the weird guy who talks about Jesus all the time? Why would you risk that relationship turning a little bit awkward? Or that conversation even turning a little bit awkward? Why would you risk that? Why would you not be on board with everything society is doing? Instead of preaching and getting ridicule from society and getting straight up persecution from certain parts of the world. Why risk that if Jesus is not alive? There's no point. Might as well just give up now. Our preaching is useless. There's no point in trying to save people if Jesus didn't rise from the dead because there's no way to be saved if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. We can only be saved because He rose, because there is a resurrection. Are you starting to see the resurrection is much more central 
to our faith than we have historically taught, than we have historically learned and historically talked about. Third devastating implication if Jesus is not raised, your faith is worthless. Your faith is worthless. Is that the uplifting message you came to church to hear today? If Jesus is not raised, your faith is worthless. Look at verse 14 again. 14. It says, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is in vain. Your faith is in vain. Also, verse 17, your faith is futile. If Christ has not been raised, your faith has no value. There's no point in holding on to it. No point in holding on to faith if Jesus has not been raised. You might as well get on the cultural bandwagon. Might as well get with the times. Might as well eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. Right? If Christ has not been raised, there's no point in holding on to your faith. Especially not in a society like we've got right now. There's no point. Get on the cultural bandwagon. Give it up. Give up now. All those people in history who died for their faith, if Christ hasn't been raised, they weren't courageous. They were fools. Listen to what Hebrews 11.1 1 says about faith. This is what faith is. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. My friends, if Jesus has not been raised, don't live for things you don't see. Live for what's right in front of your face. If Jesus has not been raised, live for the here and now. Store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Get all you can while you can, because there's going to come a time where you can't anymore if Jesus hasn't been raised. If Jesus has not been raised, there's nothing to hope for. And all those people in Hebrews 11, that that verse right there is from Hebrews 11. That's an entire chapter that we often call the Hall of Faith in the Bible. Instead of the Hall of Fame, it's the Hall of Faith. Hebrews 11, right? It's all of those heroes of the faith. By faith, Abraham did this. By faith, David did this. By faith, Samuel did this. By faith, Daniel did this. Right? It's the the hall of faith, we often call it. But if Christ hasn't been raised, instead of that being the hall of faith, that's the hall of shame. Those people aren't courageous. They're foolish if Christ hasn't been raised. Number four, if Christ hasn't been raised, verse 15 says, we're all misrepresenting God. We're all misrepresenting God if Christ has not been raised. Look at verse 15. It says, We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that He raised Christ, whom He did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. So if Christ is not raised, you are essentially lying about the Creator of the universe, and so am I. In fact, this would mean that Jesus lied about Him. And it would mean that we are doing it too. If Christ has not been raised, it would mean the gospel writers were liars. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, who wrote down the accounts of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, it would mean they were liars. It would mean Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John wrote their gospels as a big ruse to trick people into obedience and submission. In fact, that's what a lot of atheists today claim anyway. They claim that the gospels are a big hoax, a big ruse to get people to obey and get people scared into living a certain way. It's a big deception. That's what atheists claim today. In fact, in our very Bibles, you will see people trying to claim that. Listen to Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 11. 
It says, While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place about Jesus' death and resurrection. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and they did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. That's what they wanted to do. Tell everyone it's a big hoax. Tell everyone they stole the body. Because if they stole the body, then we don't have to reckon with it. But if he actually rose from the dead, we've got to face up to that. That changes everything, and we don't want everything to be changed, right? If Jesus actually rose from the dead, that changes everything. And if you're the kind of person who doesn't want anything to change, you've got to figure out some other way to deny it. You've got to figure out some way to convince yourself and those around you that it was a big hoax. Because if Jesus rose from the dead, then that means everything he said was true. That means he has claim on your heart. That means he has claim on your life. And if you let Jesus in to clean house, it's going to change things. It's not going to feel comfortable at first. It's going to change my life. It's going to change the way that I live. I'm going to have to give certain things up. I'm going to have to start doing other things. If Jesus really rose from the dead, I'm going to have to reckon with that. And I don't want to. Right? People still feel like that today. And so we're still trying to come up with stories to explain away the resurrection. Because if it really happened, that changes everything. But think about the gospel writers. Do you really think they were lying? Do you really think they're, they're trying to come up with a big hoax? Do you really think those men would have lived poor, would have willingly accepted persecution, and then would have died for their faith? If it was a lie and they knew it was a lie? Do you really think that if they knew it was a lie, they would have given their lives for it? Furthermore, wouldn't it have been kind of stupid for them to write their Gospels the way they did if they were trying to convince people to believe a lie? Think about the way they wrote the Gospels and all the details they put in there. They put so many details in the Gospels. Think of all the secondary and ancillary details that they put in there that they didn't have to. Like, if you're trying to convince somebody to believe a lie, what you do is you keep it vague, right? If I'm going to write a horoscope in the newspaper, I'm going to keep it vague so that everybody thinks it's it's just about them. It's it's exactly my life, right? Keep it really vague. If you're going to try to convince people to believe a lie, you keep it vague. But they put tons of details in here, names of cities, Names of people, all kinds of people, even secondary people that didn't have much to do with the story. Geography. They put all kinds of details in there that would be really kind of stupid if you were trying to get people to believe a lie. You don't give tons of details that people could verify. Tons of named eyewitnesses that people could actually go talk to and verify their story. Because... Even within the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus, when these people were reading the gospel accounts, they could have gone and found that person and asked them about what happened. That would be a silly way to try to convince the world to believe a lie. Fifth devastating implication, if Christ has not been raised, we are still in our sins. If Christ has not been raised, we're all still in our sins. Look at verse 17. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. 
And so we're not free. We have no victory. We have no power. We have no forgiveness. If Christ is not raised, your sins are still counted against you, and you are not forgiven. If Christ has not been raised, sin is still your master, and there's no hope for victory over it. If Christ has not been raised, you are still enslaved to sin, and there's no way out. If Christ has not been raised, there's no Holy Spirit living inside of you, giving you power. If Christ has not been raised, you might as well resign yourself to defeat, because Jesus didn't defeat sin and death, so you won't either. But let me tell you something. Even if Christ has been raised, all those things are true of you if you are not in Christ. If you have not given yourself over to Jesus, if you have not given your life to Him, if you have not confessed Him as Lord and Savior and been baptized into His name and repented of your sins, all that stuff is still true. But if Christ has not been raised, it's true for all of us. And we might as well give up now. Because Jesus didn't defeat sin and death, and so we won't either. We're still in our sins if Christ hasn't been raised. You see, the resurrection, it's essential. Implication number six. If Christ has not been raised, then everyone who has died is in hell. Look at verse 18. It says, Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. Everyone who has died, including everyone who has died in Christ, if he is not raised, they've perished. They're in hell. If Christ has not been raised, then all those who passed on before us, holding on to their hope in Jesus, are experiencing eternal torment. You see, in the book of Romans, this same author who wrote 1 Corinthians, Paul, in the book of Romans, he begins... His argument, so to speak, in chapter 1, verse 18. And he moves all the way down to chapter 3, verse 20. And in the book of Romans, what he's doing is one thing there throughout that whole big section. He's convincing us all that we are lost. He's convincing us all that we have no hope apart from Christ. Apart from Christ, we are lost. You can't save yourselves. doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. doesn't matter if you're religious or if you're embracing every sin that comes your way. Apart from Christ, we are all lost. But without the resurrection, if Christ is not raised, it stops right there. It just ends there. Now, thankfully, the book of Romans doesn't end in chapter 3, verse 20. It goes on, and he proclaims right after that the greatest news in all the world. That even though all of us are lost, doesn't matter who you are, religious, non-religious, Greek, Gentile, Jew, even though all of us are lost... All of us can be saved in Christ, even though none of us are good enough. We can all be saved in Christ if we throw ourselves onto His mercy, right? But without the resurrection, it just stops right at chapter 3, verse 20. No good news. It's all bad news. It's all bad news without the resurrection. Without the resurrection, the cross was just another man being put to death by Rome. Without the resurrection, the cross means nothing. If Christ did not raise from the dead, all our loved ones who have died are lost. They'd be in hell. We would have nothing but sorrow every time we think of them. And the best we could hope for is to put their current state out of our minds and just think about the memories 
of when they were here if Christ has not been raised. Seventh and final implication, if Christ has not been raised, then we are the most miserable people on earth. Verse 19. Verse 19 says, If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. And so, let's go back to a version of our question in the introduction. What if Christianity were not true? Do we just say, well, I lived a good life and a happy life anyway. No, no, no. We can't say that. Not if you're really following Christ. This is emphatically not true, that we lived a good life anyway. Paul says it's the exact opposite. If Christ has not been raised, we are to be pitied more than all other people on this earth. Why? Because what does Christ call us to? What does following Christ mean? Matthew 10, Jesus says, You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Without the resurrection, it's just, you'd be hated by all. That's it. 1 Peter 4, starting in verse 12, it says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. Now let me stop right there for a second. As though something strange were happening to you. Christians today are always so confused when in the media or in the news, Christians get persecuted for one thing, but people of other religions aren't persecuted for that same thing. We say this all the time. Well, if that were a Muslim, that wouldn't be happening. If that were a a Buddhist person, that wouldn't be happening. Brothers and sisters, of course. Why are you surprised at this? We are going to be persecuted if Christianity is the truth. If Jesus really is the only way to salvation, Satan is going to do everything he can to make sure Christians get persecuted when other religions don't. Don't be surprised at that. Expect it. It should be obvious. Jesus told us to expect that. Don't be surprised. But Peter goes on, But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is to be revealed. But if Christ is not raised... There's nothing to look forward to there. There's nothing to rejoice about. He goes on to say, If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. This is what we've been called to, brothers and sisters. You've been called to, father, to follow Christ. It's a call to take up your cross every day and to deny yourself. It's a call to come and die with Him, to share in His sufferings. Luke 6, 26 is where Jesus says, Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. And so, if Christ has not been raised, if Christianity is not true, it is emphatically wrong to say, well, I would have lived a good life anyway. What life are you living for Christ now? What life are we living for Christ now that says it would have been a good life anyway when Jesus tells us to expect persecution, to expect hatred? How are we living if we never experience anything but respect? How are we living for Christ if we never experience anything but, oh, you're such a good person? Admiration, when all people speak well of you, Jesus says, woe to that person. 
To live as a Christ follower means to experience what He experienced. John 15, starting in verse 19, Jesus says, If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. Now he says that to his apostles in the upper room before his death. But those words apply to us in many ways. Think about it. The student is not above his teacher. If they persecuted him, they will persecute us. Are we following Jesus? Are we taking up our cross daily and denying ourselves? Are we risking what we need to be risking for His glory and for the gospel? Or is everyone speaking well of us? All of this, these seven devastating implications are true if Christ has not been raised. But brothers and sisters, that's not what happened. That's not what happened. What happened means the exact opposite of all of those things. Christ has been raised. He's not dead. He's alive. Our preaching is not useless. God will use it to save others. Not just the preaching of the preacher. When he says our preaching, he means our proclamation of the good news. The way that we share the gospel with other people. God says in Isaiah chapter 55, His word will not return void. When you send it out, it won't come back without accomplishing the purpose that God had for it. It has power. We have the best news in all the world, brothers and sisters. Romans 1.16, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, to the Jew Jew first and also to the Greek. Why is he not ashamed of the gospel? Because it's the power of God. It's the greatest power this world has ever seen. He's not going to be ashamed of that. We're not going to be ashamed of that. We have the greatest news in all the world. Our preaching is not useless. God will use it to save others. Our faith is not in vain. Our faith is not in vain because Christ has been raised, which means our faith is worth it. In Romans 8, chapter 18, it says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So hold on, brothers. Hold on, sisters. Hold on until it's time where we can finally let go. Because what's coming on the other end of this for those who did not let go is greater than anything we've ever experienced here and now. We know because Christ is alive, because He is raised, because He is there right now, and we are awaiting His return. And He will come back to get those who are His own and take them to be with Him forever. Our faith is not in vain. Our faith is worth it because Christ is raised. Christ is raised, so God is true. And God's Word is true. He did everything He said He would do, and He will keep every promise He has made to us. God never breaks His promises. He's never broken one. He's not about to break anymore. Every promise that God has given us for the future in His Word will come true, and it's all true because of Christ. 2 Corinthians, I believe it is, says, In Christ, all the promises of God are yes. He is the yes to every promise of God. 
Christ is raised, so we have freedom from sin. And we have victory over it. We no longer have to be afraid of death, we read in Hebrews chapter 2. Romans chapter 6 says this, Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over Him. For the death He died, He died to sin once for all. But the life He lives, He lives to God. So we died with Him and we're also going to be raised with Him. Throughout the New Testament, Christ is called the firstborn from among the dead. What does that mean? Well, it means he's the first one to rise from the grave, never to die again. You see, before Jesus, there were people who rose from the dead, right? Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead. Elijah rose a widow's son from the dead. There were people who rose from the dead before, but then they died again, right? They they just died again. Jesus is the first one to be raised, to never die again, but he's the first one, firstborn. It's going to happen to every single one of us. We're going to be raised to never die again. But when we're raised... Just because you're raised doesn't mean you're automatically saved. Everyone will be raised. Will you be raised to eternal paradise or will you be raised to eternal suffering? If Christ is raised from the dead, then we know our loved ones who died in Christ are with Him now. They're not perishing. They're with Him now. We have hope. At least their souls are with Him now. But one day their bodies and souls will be reunited to be with Him forever. 1 Thessalonians 4, starting in verse 13, says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with Him those who have fallen asleep. Bring with Him the souls of those who have fallen asleep. Their bodies are resurrected, their souls and bodies reunited for all eternity. And we know that our loved ones who have passed are with Christ right now, waiting for His return, waiting to come with Him. And finally, Christ is raised, so if we follow Him, we will be hated, we will be persecuted, we will suffer, But it will all be worth it. It will all be worth it. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse 8, says, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. Because God is with us. God is with us. And Jesus is with us. And God tells us in His Word, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead is dwelling inside of every believer right now. Christ is raised, brothers and sisters. Christ is raised. He is alive. He is not dead. He is at the right hand of God. We serve a risen Savior. It's different than every other religion in the history of the world because we're not following some dead guy. We're waiting for Him to come back. And one day He will. And everything God says in His Word will come true. And every hope of ours will be fulfilled. And every longing of ours will be satisfied. And every heartbreak of ours will be undone. He is raised. And it's central. It's essential to the Gospel and to the story of Christianity. And so, if He's raised from the dead, what are you going to do with that? 
Like we said before, if he really did come back from the dead, you can try to ignore that, but somebody who comes back from the dead, you've got to reckon with everything he says, with everything he ever said. What will you do with Jesus? Who do you say that he is? Let's think on that and pray on that for just a moment. As we do every week, we're going to spend a few moments in prayer right now. This is response to the Lord time. Respond to the Lord in prayer from His Word and what He's laid on your heart. And after we all respond in private prayer, we'll come back. We'll have a time that those who need to respond to His Word and His call can do so publicly. Let's pray together right now.